Hi, this is the Seattle Mama Talk podcast. I'm Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. We all work so hard to perfect how we pull off parenthood, and often with a gassy, cranky, colicky baby, we don't feel good enough. I'm here to help you face these challenges head on. Now, I am leaning on support from all the people who have taught me so much about crying and colic and fussiness and poop over the years, including my friend and colleague, Dr. Brian Vardabedian. He is not here with me in the studio, and I do need to figure out how to do a podcast with someone who's not in Seattle. But Dr. Vardabedian is a friend and colleague in the social media space, and he's also a book author like me. And he just came out with an awesome book called Looking Out for Number Two, a slightly irrelevant guide to poo, gas, and other things that come out of your baby. And I love it. And I'm sitting here with my colleague, Stacy. I know. She hates it when I do it. I'm calling her out. But she read it cover to cover, and she has a baby who is a little cranky. And I won't call him gassy, but I think he might have been. Anyway, so we love the book. It is awesome, and it's very funny, and I think it's truly an irreverent guide. And so I'm leaning on that, and I'm going to highlight some of the quotes from his book because I think it's awesome and uh, exceedingly helpful. So first and foremost, I mean, every baby farts. Like, let's be frank here. Everybody puffs and toots. I mean, you got all the words for them. We call them, in my house, we call them puffs. We call them toots. We call them fluffs, which is disgusting to me, if you ask me. But every baby does it. And there's a whole reason that your baby gets gassy. So let's start from the top. It can start from the top, meaning that if you have a baby who's nursing and breastfeeding and they don't have a really good latch, it might actually be them just swallowing a bunch of air. Air goes down their esophagus, goes into their tummy, works through the intestines, and literally just stays alive down there all the way through the track and comes out in a little puff of air. So that's really true. The other thing is that if you've got a cranky, high crier, or what we sometimes call an excessive crier, a baby who really does cry up to an hour or two or even more a day, when they're crying and gasping and choking and gurgling and making you feel miserable and sad, and they feel miserable and sad, which makes me so sad, when that's happening, they're swallowing air too. That air goes down and comes in through. Um, and so you can see babies pull up their legs and, and try to reposition their body to squirt their little toots out. I mean, just like you do when you lift that cheek on the chair. I'm telling you the truth. But babies will do that too. They wiggle. They arch their backs. Their tummies will feel hard and they'll look distended. And, you know, they can have like kind of chaotic feedings and be really fussy. And it's so frustrating if you have a tooty baby. And I'm so sorry if you do. Now... It can be from all sorts of things, and I'm just going to go through some of those reasons. The biggest reasons, though, of course, of why gas comes, and I love how Dr. Vardabedian does that. Actually, he has a whole page with this lovely little drawing that's kind of like the physics of farting, and it's really like kind of what goes in. It's kind of two things. It's swallowed air, and then it's gas made in the intestinal tract from bacteria. Now, I'm not going to go that into this, but the bacteria in your baby may be very different than the bacteria in your neighbor's baby. And may actually be very different than the bacteria in you or your other kid. So right from the very beginning, what you feed your baby, breast milk or formula, actually, and what you eat and what's in your body and what's on your skin, on your nipple, if you're the feeding mom, changes what's called the microbiome, right? All the bacteria that live in your baby's intestinal tract. The day your baby is born, that meconium, that sticky, black, dark, tarry stool that comes out first, that little plug, that is completely sterile. When your baby is in utero and you're in your, inside you, your baby has no bacteria in there. When your baby, from the very first time they suck on a breast or a bottle, get milk or formula, that's the beginning of the introduction of bacteria into their body. How they're born, 
vaginally versus C-section changes what bacteria is on their own skin and in their own mouth. And then what's on you and what they eat changes that. So truly, what kind of bacteria is in your baby's body might change actually how farty and tooty your baby is too. So it really could be that you could have one kid and have another kid be born a different way, feed a different thing, and be totally gassy because of that environment. So we do play a part of it, and that's good. And it's also bad because it's sometimes hard to control all these things. Now, swallowed air comes from, like I said, a bad breastfeeding latch, incorrect nipple flow, meaning like if you get a baby bottle and you're using a nipple that goes too fast or you do one that goes way too slow and the baby has to suck extra and kind of leaks and like breaks their seal on the nipple, they might swallow air that way. Um, they might have the wrong position when they're feeding. Like some babies might just swallow. So moving your baby around can maybe change it. If, you know, I remember this would happen when I had to supplement my babies with formula at some point during their infancy and I would shake up the formula and they can get all bubbly. I mean, you're really – if you're shaking vigorously the formula right before you feed it and it's all bubbly in there, or even breast – if you take breast milk and you shake it like crazy and you make all these bubbles, you might be introducing a little air that way, screaming, and then maybe sometimes even a lack of burping. I mean, some babies burp, as you guys know, and some babies don't, and some babies burp really well over your shoulder like grandma says is the best. Some babies burp really well sitting on your lap where you pull their chin a little forward and you kind of pat their tummy and you, like, make them look like a little turtle with their head sticking out. But all of that really can kind of, you know, contribute to the gas. Um, but let's Let's talk again about some other kind of pathophysiologic reasons why. A lot of people think it's, you know, what the baby's eating. Well, it might be. If you really do eat carnivorous vegetables a lot, like cauliflower, broccoli, things that make you fart, like beans or whatever it is that makes you do that way, you pass some of those proteins and things through the breast milk, and that might make baby a little 2D. Babies could be potentially a little sensitive to something where then how their gut immune system reacts and then how much air is there and how much gas is around and how much gas then interacts with bacteria and sugars in the gut might contribute to that. So sometimes babies are gassy because they're eating a standard cow's milk formula. But I will tell you, a lot of people grab or reach for this idea that their baby's lactose intolerant. All babies have lactose. Even babies with families who have a really strong family history of lactose intolerance, they're born with, um, sorry, they're born with lactase, which is the enzyme that breaks down lactose, which is the sugar that's part of the um, protein in cow's milk. But babies don't typically ever need a lactose-free diet because they have enough lactase around at birth. They're just, ever, all the babies have lactase. Over time, as they get older, they can lose lactase, and that can be hereditary. There is some rare kind of congenital or kind of deficiency of lactase. But really, the far, far, far majority of babies have a lot of lactase to digest the lactose. So reaching for a lactose-free diet in yourself as a breastfeeding mom or in a formula is probably not going to serve you a lot. The other thing that I, you know, that I think I love in Dr. Bardubedian's book, Looking Out for Number Two, he's got these great quotes really about gas drops. So, you know, there's always going to be a gas drop industry because I love how he outlines it in three really typical sound bites of like basically it's kind of one of these things of like don't just stand there and do nothing. Do something. And gas drops for a baby who's really tooty and moms who think that their baby's angry and cranky and cryy because of it will reach for something. Most people know gas drops, what are called cymethicone, they're not harmful. So there isn't really any data that suggests that they're harmful. So it's kind of like, well, it can't hurt. Maybe we'll help. So parents reach for it that way. And then really, like, desperate parents love placebos. And that's probably true. And I, like Dr. Vardabedian, agree. I think these gas drops are placebos more than anything else. And if that works for you, I don't know that I'm going to go against it. But 
I will tell you, there isn't any good data that cymethicone works. Cymethicone is designed ultimately to basically take little teeny fart bubbles, bring the fart bubbles together into a really big bubble, and then somehow it seems like it's better for your baby to pass the gas because the fart bubble is bigger. I mean, this is what Dr. Vardabedian says. He says, um, uh, this is under a section called cymethicone the drug that's in like little gas drops, and reverse logic. He said, the old standby in the battle against gath is cymethicone. Cymethicone is a compound that's supposed to work by taking small little bubbles and making them into big bubbles that they are theoretically easier to pass. As the logic goes, it's easier to move a consolidated, well-formed fart than a stream of ill-defined foam. Ew. But like, really, like that's the logic, but it's not really true. And I think the thing that comes out of this book, but also that comes out of new and novel science, is that reaching for gas drops, fine. You might just be reaching for a, a placebo. And I don't think any pediatrician is really going to completely stand in your way because there's probably not a lot of risk. We just don't think there's likely a lot of good. And yet I love the data on placebos. Placebos really do work. And the way that we approach our kids and the, our mentation on that really matters. So, okay. But maybe what you should do is reach for some lactobacillus some probiotics and think, gosh, if my baby is really gassy, maybe it's not that they're sensitive to the food they're eating. It's maybe just that the different kind of bacteria in their body is not allowing them to digest as well or to break things down as well. And if I contribute to increasing their exposures through diversity in the food I eat in my own diet and through, um, you know, kind of exploring the world, I can also give them some probiotics. So rather than reaching for gas drops, potentially reach for some probiotics. Now, in addition, if you worry about formula, let me just tell you this. There's only about 1 in 20 or about 5% of babies who have cow's milk protein sensitivity, meaning that the mainstay of what makes a formula is actually really agitating to them, causing their gut and their immune system in their gut to react and respond to make them really gassy. So if your kid is one of the 20, you can try a different formula, but it's likely not going to be that helpful for you to reach for soy formula. Reach for the hypoallergenic formulas, which are broken down proteins, all the way that are called, called hydralisated, but they're in tiny little pieces that don't trigger the gut to cause much trouble. And see, if after a week or two, your baby really is less fuzzy, is less cranky, is less gassy, and seems to be a lot happier, if you're okay paying the extra money for that formula, it's certainly safe and okay for you to do that. But I'll also tell you, if your child doesn't have bloody stools, if their stool or their poop really isn't mucousy or stringy, and or you and your pediatrician or other clinician haven't diagnosed your child with an allergy or true cow's milk protein intolerance or sensitivity, then it's totally okay too at any point for you to go back and try a cow's milk formula as well that smells better and tastes better and is cheaper. And if your kid goes back to that and does okay, then again, it may not be the food source itself. It might be the screaming or the crying or the fussiness because your baby's just one of those excessive criers. Or it might be something else that's really making your baby gassy, either that swallowed air from the top or gas being produced in the gut. So a couple things with that formula, rather than changing them all the time, which you can certainly attempt to, that's okay. Just make sure when they're drinking formula, you're mixing it properly, a scoop to two ounces of water. Don't change the mixing formula based on you thinking that your baby's too gassy. And then let the bubbles in the formula settle before you offer it to your baby. And then consider potentially adding a probiotic to your baby's diet. Talk to your pediatrician about which one. Now, the challenge about probiotics is that they're supplements. They're not regulated in the same way as drugs are. And there isn't 
isn't as much data around them. Dr. Vardabedian does go into specific recommendations in his book, looking out for number two. But I'll say a lot of the data in kids has really been around lactobacillus and the addition of that. But there are many others, and you can talk with your pediatrician about specifics that way. You can gently massage your baby's tummy. You can change their position, right? Because again, remember lifting the butt cheek, that whole thing. Like moving the gas through your baby's body sometimes does help relieve it. And they may be cranking and crying and their tummy may be distended because they're gassy or maybe be cranking and crying because they're just kind of a fussy kid and they're about six to 12 weeks of age and they cry all the time. But know that um, kind of helping support that is fine. You can reach for the gas drops. But again, there's no real scientific data that making those fart bubbles coalesce into a really big fart, big cloud does a lot of good. And then there's like that whoopy thing where you're supposed to like put that little thing in your baby's bum ski and have the baby do the little, like the little, um, it's basically like, I don't know, it's like a fart megaphone or something. It's like really weird. It was made by the people who made Nose Frida. I just can't tell you to get that thing. I don't think sticking things in your baby's bum is the right thing. Typically, it's probably safe here or there to help your baby poop if your baby's having a challenge that way. But we don't want you to dilate the rectal sphincter, that external sphincter, and I don't want you to mess with it. Like it's a system that's been designed and works really well in typically developing kids. So don't stick things in your baby's bum. And work on the positioning, work on the burping, work on what your baby's eating. Don't don't go crazy and buy different formulas constantly. But know that a hydralisated hypoallergic formula sometimes in babies who truly are sensitive to cow's milk protein can help a kid. But it doesn't always last until a year. So if your kid is doing great, you may even want to try, if you don't have an allergy diagnosis or a true cow's milk protein sensitivity diagnosis, to go back to a regular formula that tastes better and is cheaper. And you may do fine with that too, especially if you've already started solid foods in your baby. I hope that helped with your gassy baby. I am not the expert or genius here, but I would like to say one more time, looking out for number two, a slightly irreverent guide to poo, gas, and other things will not only make you laugh, but give you lots of ideas of ways to help your gassy, fussy, poopy baby. The reality is parenting is a high-stakes job, but the good news is you've got this. Thanks for listening. The Seattle Mama Doc podcast episodes air every single week. I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say, what was helpful, and what you want to learn more about. Reach out to me on Twitter at Seattle Mama Doc, on my Facebook, Seattle Mama Doc, or at seattlemamadoc.com. Tell me what you want to learn. Tell me if you want to join me and point me to experts you'd love to learn more from. 